Merry Christmas to every one of you. Indeed, it is a beautiful day the Lord has made as we read in Psalm 118, verse 24. It is the day of the Lord, and so let us rejoice and be glad. We gather to celebrate the greatest gift God has given to humanity, the gift of himself. And so we are called like the prophets to go and tell it to everyone how beautiful are the feet of them that announce the goodness, says our first reading this morning. For four weeks, we have been preparing for this feast of nativity all through the Advent, and we heard many prophecies from various prophets telling us of what is about to come. The Lord Jesus Christ who comes to us at Christmas but also comes to us in words and sacrament, but who will also come to us in the evening of life after we finish our journey here on earth. And so it is a thing of joy that we are celebrating the history that changed every other history before us. You may want to understand the background of today's first reading, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. At the time of the prophecy was written 700 years before the birth of Christ. Of course, the Israelites were in exile, longing for a savior to free them, liberate them from the shackles of the Egyptians and from the land of slavery. And here is Isaiah, the last part of Isaiah, prophesying that someone is coming, a savior is coming, the Messiah is coming to free his people and therefore calling them to sing, break out into song, for within you is the Lord with his saving power. And so we are called today to sing and shout with joy, for great in our midst is the savior born to liberate us. And so together we're going to sing for him. So let's sing uh, Joy to the World, everybody. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare his fruit. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Amen? Amen. We are joyful not because we are 100% problem free, but rather we are joyful because we know of the unconditional love of God who loves us no matter what. And because of this unconditional love, he comes to identify with us. You can imagine God coming down to be one of us, to understand what it means to be you as a person in all your weaknesses and failures, and also in all your strength and power and glory. So it is a God who knows what it is to be you. Psalm 139 says, Oh God, you search me and you know me. You know my rising and my resting. You discern my purpose from afar. All my ways lie open to you. 
So even before ever I say anything, you know it through and through. For behind and before you besiege me, and your hand ever laid upon me. So it is a God who has come to know what it is to be you, so that in all our struggles, challenges, trials, joys, sorrow, whatever it is, that there is one, the Emmanuel, who is with us, a Savior given to us. Last night we also read from the prophecy of Isaiah, for unto us, and put the us as for unto me a son is given, for unto you a son is given. And what is this son coming to do? To redeem, to identify, to reconcile. Paul in his uh, letter to Colossians chapter one, he prays saying, blessed be God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual gift, everything we can ever imagine, who has blessed us in Christ. Why? By the incarnation, Christ has come to share his glory with all of us. You see that in the opening prayer of this Mass, that God who has come to share in our humanity so to elevate us, take us up to share in his divinity. And in the reflection for Christmas Day in the prayer of the church called the Liturgy of the Hour, uh, the reflection says, remember your dignity. Remember who you are because Christ through his incarnation has raised all of, all of us up to be up there so that we are no longer to be caught up in our brokenness or dysfunction, knowing that now he is our brother not only that he is our savior, but also he is our brother. Through his incarnation, we can make both to say and call him Christ, my brother, or Christ, our brother. Because through the sacrament of baptism, Christ, the only begotten son, as you heard in the second reading, the letter to the Hebrews, by his incarnation and also by the sacrament of baptism, the only son has incorporated all of us to be sons and daughters. And if we are sons and daughters of this one single family of God, then we are his brothers. And that is why the church will always pray, my dear brothers and sisters, because we are now co-members of this one family of God by Christ giving us the access to belong to him. So it is a thing of joy that in the prologue, you know, the gospel of this morning is from the prologue of John. In the beginning was the word. Going back again to tell us that creation is in view of salvation. When God created everything, it is and it was in view of redemption. So in the beginning was the word. Like you read, in the beginning, God created the universe and everything. And the word became flesh. You go back, you see it is by the power of his words that creation came into being. He says, let there be this, let there be that, let there be this. And in the fullness of time in the public ministry of Jesus Christ, everything he did was through the power of the words. He says, your faith has made you whole. Get up, take up your bed and walk. And many other things that he did. That is the word who has come to live among us, who has come to satisfy the desire of our hearts. So what John is doing in the prologue is a kind of a summary of what you are going to see all through the letters, all through the chapters of the Gospel of John. That the word has come to give life 
and light to all who believe. Remember, in Bethlehem, there was no inn, no room for them where he stays. He came to his own, and his own did not accept or recognize him. But to all, like you and I, who believe and accept, he gives power to become children of God. That is, again, through the sacrament of baptism. So what John is doing here is to tell you what is about to happen all through the chapters so that this word made flesh living among us becomes effective and we see his ministry, his power, and his glory. In chapter 2, you see the word in the wedding at Cana, bringing life and joy. And in chapter 3, through uh, his encounter with Nicodemus, giving life again through the water of baptism. And in 4, we read the famous uh, the Samaritan woman, also he has come to give us life. In 5, we hear uh, the the man at the pool of Bethsaida. So you keep going on and on. Then in it, you read about the woman caught in adultery. So he has come to give life. And in nine, he gives sight to the man born blind. In 10, the good shepherd who has come to lay down his life so that you and I will have life. And telling us that life is not just only temporal. In chapter 11, by raising Lazarus from the dead, he tells us that after we are done here, all of us are invited to be with him in eternal life when he says, I am the life and resurrection. That is the word made flesh. But what is it? What's in it for you and I? By his incarnation, Christ is challenging us to us to be incarnated in our families, in our society. You know, words matter. It is by word that we effect the sacrament and many other rituals we perform at home, offices, schools. So words can use to dispossess and words can also be used to possess people. We can uplift others with what we say, just like we can pull them down. So we become word made flesh in our society by making use of what we say to uplift others, just like Christ, who was raising and bringing others up. So by making good use of what we say, or using the power of our words to inspire others, to edify others, we are sharing in that humanity of Christ who has come to identify with us by using the power of our words to reconcile, to uplift, to heal, to comfort, to console, we now become like the prophet, bringing the good news of salvation, making it known to all the ends of the earth. And so I urge you, before you utter anything to anyone, just consider these four or five words, think, T-H-I-N-K. Is it true? What you're about to say, is it true? Have you done an independent research to come about what you are about to say? about anyone or any organization or any group. Is it true? Then, is it helpful? Is it helpful for hate? Then, is it inspiring? It may be true, but it may not inspire others. Is it inspiring? Is it necessary for the end? If it is not necessary, then you don't have to say it, since it doesn't edify or uplift. And finally, is it kind? 
Kindness, we all know, goes a long way to raise the dead. Not only physically dead, but also psychologically and emotionally dead. May we be challenged by the word made flesh to be incarnated, first of all, to us in our lives and then in our families and making the world a better place, telling it to everyone. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. May God continue to bless his words in our hearts now and always through Christ our Lord. Amen.